Take out a Bible, go to Nehemiah chapter one, if you would. And I wanna, I'm so glad you guys are here. I know the summer, the semester is almost over, and we're gonna begin a series tonight talking about leadership. So take out your Bible, go to Nehemiah chapter one, stand to your feet, if you would, Nehemiah chapter one. And for the next few months, we're gonna be doing a leadership institute, basically, on Sundays. We are going to talk about leadership. Everyone say liderazgo. We're gonna talk about leadership, and we're gonna start in Nehemiah chapter one. If you don't own a Bible, it's okay, you can just take this, but Nehemiah chapter one, verse one. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who has survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Let's pray. God. I ask you for the gift of leadership in the name of Jesus. I ask you for the gift of faith in the name of Jesus. I ask you for innovation in the name of Jesus. And I ask you for courage in the name of Jesus during this series starting right now. And everybody said, amen. amen. Go ahead and have a seat and let's talk about leadership. I don't think it's a surprise for me to tell you that there's a lot of brokenness right now in our culture. Just today I read that there's been 50 mass shootings in America since the Atlanta shooting. There are mass shootings, there's people dying around the country, there are victims of gun violence. This week there was a <clears throat> little boy, middle school boy, shot dead. I think we know that there's brokenness when we look around the culture where we are right now. And we're reading a book right now that's talking about the walls of a city that are broken down and we're gonna find a man named Nehemiah that's going to be used by God to build the walls and to take what has been ruins and to bring restoration, to take brokenness and to see redemption. And in a world like ours and in, frankly in a country like ours where we are seeing so much brokenness and pain and the the discouraging realities of ongoing issues that don't seem to go away and, and a brokenness that we don't even know what to say. If I just drop certain names of people that died, it instantly splits a room as, as people feel on edge and people feel upset and, and, and we don't really know what to do. But it's not just the culture, it's us. I mean, a lot of you, you know your parents, their marriages didn't make it. There's been people that are watching right now and our marriages are in shambles and there's kids that don't get along with their parents and grandparents that have no relationship with their, with, with their kids. There's, there's husbands that are done with their wives and wives that are done with their husbands and, and, and there's dreams that people had that they've given up on. There's some of you that had dreams to become a certain something and then you went off to college and now as you're finishing your college career, it's, it's not turning out like your fathers. People that are listening right now that, that had dreams of starting a business 
business and it's, it's just never happened and now maybe you're at midlife and it's like, ah, that's, that's not gonna happen. And visions that have not come into fruition and things that people hope for, that hopes that have been dashed and, and pain that has been real. And I've had people say, Pastor Mike, the, the pain is so real. I don't even wanna hope anymore because it's just too painful to even hope. And so there's a lot of our lives that feel like when we're reading Nehemiah chapter one when he says the, the report of of his homeland, the report of his people is that there is trouble and shame lying in ruins. And there's a lot of us that early 20 years old, we already feel like we just have to kind of settle into the life that someone else wants us to live, or some of us that are 50 years old and saying, oh, I just have to settle for this kind of a life. But I wanna announce to you that especially in this book of Nehemiah, and honestly, during this series that we're gonna have, that broken things are coming back together in the name of Jesus that ruins are able to get rebuilt in the name of Jesus. There's gotta be some people that are going to believe that Jesus is able through this gift, and I'm gonna say it, of leadership, that there is a need for leadership, that there is a call to leadership, that God has ordained the gift in the position of leadership, that when God sees brokenness, God calls a woman and God calls a man. He doesn't need a committee, he doesn't need an army, he only needs an individual that is willing to lead. And I'm calling some of you to lead, and maybe you're here and you're like, well, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. Well, I don't feel like I'm a leader. Yes, you are. You are a leader. Yeah, but Mike, I don't feel like I really have a gift of leadership. You are a leader. Thank you. Yes. You are a leader. God has called you to lead. You might say, ah, I don't, I'd never want to go on a stage. You don't have to be on a stage to lead. I don't want to lead a corporation. You don't have to lead a corporation to lead. But if you follow Jesus Christ, he said, go make disciples. And if you go make disciples, that will mean you are going to lead. Some of you are going to become parents one day. If you're a mom, you are a leader. If you're a dad, you're a leader. If you're a microchurch leader, you're a leader. When you, if you're a boss, if you're an employer, if you are a doctor, you are a leader. Where at more than ever before, there is a profound need for people to stop bailing and to start rising up and say, God, anoint me to lead. Now, guys, we live in an age of deconstruction. This is the age of deconstruction. It is fashionable to engage in deconstruction. It is fashionable to, to get up and on social media to deconstruct, deconstruct to the left, deconstruct to the right. And I just want to make the point. I'm not against deconstruction. Jesus absolutely actually did deconstruct things, and yet Jesus consistently was building things back up. It doesn't take a leader to deconstruct. It takes a leader to construct. Any drunk person can demolish a building. It takes leadership to erect a building. Any fool can demolish. Any simpleton can look at our culture right now and say, man, we got a gun problem, you think? Man, we got, a, we got this, we got a racial problem, clearly. We've got gender problems, clearly. Any human can do that. Only leaders come up with the answers to say, wait, the walls are in shambles and no one's doing anything? Who is going to build? Thank you for deconstruction, world. Is somebody going to get up and construct? Can Bob the Builder please rise up? 
Where are the leaders in the Democratic Party? Where are the leaders in the Republican Party? Where are the leaders in the United States of America? Where are the leaders on UF campus? Where are the leaders in Guyana? Where are the leaders in the family? Where are the leaders at Santa Fe? Where are the leaders in the frats? Where are the leaders in the, where have the leaders gone? Never have there been so many people with so much potential and so little leadership. Friends, there is a crisis of leadership. Forbes magazine was just looking and checking out the study of effective leaders, and what they found was only about one out of every three leaders that goes off and does something great was actually born a natural leader. Translation, leaders aren't born, they're made. The book of Nehemiah is a leadership book to make you. And I dare you to engage in this book of Nehemiah and to come to this book of Nehemiah and to embrace the call of leadership that I believe is on your life. Oh, Jesus, raise up leaders. This is my prayer. God, raise up leaders. I realize finals are about to happen for a lot of students right now. Man, get through these finals. And for these next two or three months when we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, I'm praying that some of you are going to say, Jesus, show me how to lead because this world needs you. All right, Mike. What do we do and how do we do it? I'm gonna give you three questions. You might wanna take out your phone, write down these three questions to get you going on this call to leadership. Question number one goes like this. What breaks your heart? We find this in Nehemiah chapter one, verse four. It says, as soon as I heard these words that the walls were broken down, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. What breaks your heart. Even if you haven't been faithful to this point, Nehemiah is an interesting case study. The name Nehemiah is a name that means Yahweh. It's Nehemiah. It's, it's Yah, Yahweh comforts. Nehemiah means Yahweh comforts. The people of God, the context of this book, by the way, the book of Nehemiah really for, throughout most of time has been a part of the book of Ezra, which comes right before this in the Bible. Ezra and Nehemiah were originally one book in the Middle Ages. We split out, they sort of split out the book of Nehemiah for clarity's sake, but in reality, Nehemiah comes before like uh, Ezra chapter six and seven. That's where Nehemiah fits. Nehemiah was one of the exiles. The Jews had been exiled because of their unfaithfulness to Yahweh God, their idolatry, their evil, their unrighteousness, Righteousness, they had been exiled. In God's goodness, he promised, I'm going to make a way for you to be able to go back home out of your slavery. And so God miraculously gave them a way to go back home. Unfortunately, a very small minority of the Jews actually went back because most of them, even though they'd been slaves in Babylonia and Persia, they'd kind of gotten comfortable because, I don't know, they just kind of settled in. They were just like everybody else, and they didn't really want to go do the work to get back into their homeland. And so there was a level of compromise and unfaithfulness Nehemiah is obviously coming from one of those families that hasn't been super like hardcore faithful. And so there he is. And yet there's something, there's some seed of righteousness in his family as they've named him Nehemiah. And he is, Yahweh is going to bring comfort in a world where the land was in trouble and in shame. And if ever there's been a world or a culture or a time where there's shame and trouble, it's now. If ever there was a need for Nehemiahs, it is now. Can I just go ahead and call you Nehemiah? It's time to rise up. Nehemiah, whatever I want to call the female bird, rise up and build in Jesus' name. But Pastor Mike, what do I do? How do I do it? Number one, what breaks your heart? Mike, how do I know what God has, where God has called me to lead? He tends to inspire your leadership in the areas that break your heart. 
It says that when, when Nehemiah, even though maybe for a lot of his life, nothing had really pricked his heart about his homeland or these walls of, it had been like this for years. It had been four generations there's been this problem. And it's now that Nehemiah's heart, I, I want to just make this clear. Even if you're late coming to the party, just come to the party. Even if you've been a Christian for a long time and you've been sitting on the bench and you've been doing just about nothing and if you got baptized five years ago and you've been doing almost nothing up until now, if God gives you a burden, rise up and lead in Jesus' name. We need leaders. Maybe you're 50 years old and you're watching 60 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old, and nothing's ever happened. And you're like, well, it's too late for me. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt when he was 80 years old. It is not too late, Moses. Get up. What breaks your heart? That, it's, it's my opening question. Missionary Sam lives in Southeast Asia, and years ago when I met him, and some of you have heard this story, but when I met missionary Sam, and he had been in Southeast Asia for years, he saw the slavery. There are right now, as we speak, 40, 45 million slaves, human trafficked, human souls in Southeast Asia alone. Children that are trafficked for their organs because Americans want their organs, or Europeans want their organs, or South Americans want their organs. Um, greasy Americans and Europeans and, and Asians that will fly into Southeast Asia and they will buy a child for 50 or $60, use him or her for the weekend, sell them back into the brothel with all of their diseases in tow. And so when, on, when missionary Sam had grown up in this and seen this but had never done anything to his heart, he began to follow Jesus, began to read the words of Jesus, began to get filled with the spirit of Jesus. Jesus, and when he become, came under the influence of Jesus, now he walked, he saw this, it broke his heart, and there was a man that comes up, and he says, hey, do you want a piece of this action? He's like, whoa. He said, you want some fresh meat? He says, what do you mean? And he brings him, there's a crate, and he reaches, takes off the, the lid of a crate, reaches in, takes a child out by the hair, and says, here's some fresh meat, you want to buy this? It had been there all along, but this time it pricked his heart, and missionary Sam said, I have to do something about it. And some of you were here on Easter Sunday when we took up an offering. Thousands and thousands of dollars just got sent last week, I believe it was, to missionary Sam because he goes and rescues children now because he realizes what breaks your heart, the heart, the, the souls and the lives and the bodies of these little children that are being treated as nothing, untouchables and invisible people. And he says they may be invisible to, to humanity or maybe the, a karmic system says that they're invisible, but in the eyes of God, they are precious. Someone has to do something. He says, Pastor Mike, I'm, I'm a little concerned because when I come to America, you guys are all about raising awareness. People think they're doing something because they put an X on their wrist. People think they're doing something because they post on social media. He says, at some point, is someone going to stop just raising awareness? Is someone going to rise up and build? Friends, I'm not against the raising of awareness. What I'm telling you is it doesn't take much boldness, guts, courage, or chutzpah to raise awareness. At some point, someone's got to rise up and lead. Human trafficking is horrible. Oh, indeed. The question is, will you get the chops to go lead someone to do something about it? This week, there was a child that got shot. Maybe that pricks your heart. There are, there are uh, people in our church that have a passion for, for marriages. They're like, oh, Pastor Mike, it breaks my heart when I see marriages that are in shambles. Some are, are they're just deeply moved. They're like, what, what breaks your heart? It's, it's, fem it's women's issues. Some people are like, man, Mike, I've, it's, it's my burden that half the population sits here and around the world, you'll see women that have this much potential consistently living up to this because of culture or systems that have said they cannot. And yet in Jesus, it says all things are possible. Oh, my heart breaks for women to rise up and be who God's made them to be. 
Are you one of those? Maybe it's, maybe it's manhood. Maybe there's some of you that are like, man, I, I look around and I see men. I'm like, what are men doing? Why are men living this the, the, the abuse of how are so many men addicted? I mean, we've got men in our church that are like, I'm so tired of men that say they're against human trafficking, and then yet they're addicted to porn, where one out of every three women in porn was human trafficked. The hypocrisy of a culture that raises awareness and put X's on our wrists and then goes and pleasures ourselves with the very thing we say we're against. Can we please get some Nehemiahs that rise up and say, it's not enough to talk about human trafficking. I mean, I've got some guys that have said, you want to go do something about human trafficking? Say no to porn. We need some Moseses that say, get your mind out of the garbage heap of human trafficking. You're like, well, I didn't know. Well, you do now. Nehemiah could have said, man, I didn't know the walls were broken down. And Hanani comes, he says, you do now. What breaks, what breaks your heart? I, I've talked to people that they've said, Pastor Mike, man, do you realize this book has all the answers? I've talked to people in our church that have a, their heart breaks for biblical illiteracy. They say, I'm meeting Christians that never read their Bible. I'm meeting families that they never read the Bible. I'm finding children that they've never, I'm meeting Christians. They've been Christians for 10 years. They've never read the book of Ezra. They've never read the book of Proverbs. They've never read the, and they're like, do you understand? I've had people look me in the eyes. This book has every answer that we need. You're depressed? The book talks about it. Are you a fool? This book talks about it. You need help in school? This book talks about it. You need wisdom for business? This book talks about it. This book has the answers of life and yet that stays closed. I've had people say, oh, Mike, I am, my heart is broken for people that do not open this book. I long for people. See, see that's, a, that's a burden. This, this is what the prophets of old called a burden. What's your burden? What's your burden? Like, it, that's why I asked you to take out your phone. What breaks your heart? Maybe it's immigrants. Maybe it's black lives. Maybe it's kids in Gainesville or around Guyana or around the state of Florida that if they're in third grade and they're not reading, we already know the chances that they're going to end up in prison are sky high. Maybe you get broken over that prison pipeline that exists. Maybe it's sexual brokenness. Maybe it's traumatized victims of domestic abuse. What is it that breaks your heart? What Nehemiah does, it says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. By the way, this is good to get broken, but it's not enough. This is good to sit down and weep, but it is not enough. It is good to lament, but it's never enough. And, and guys, this is my struggle right now. This is where, most, this is where a lot of people stop. The generation we're in right now, there, there's, there are so many potential Nehemiahs right now in our culture that never become Nehemiahs because they don't do what Nehemiah did. I want you to notice what he did. It says, I sat down and I mourned for days and, everyone say and, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Here's the difference. This is what I see 21st century Christians doing. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and then I got up and I started posting on social media. I sat down, I wept, and I got up, and I called one of my friends, and I told them how mad I was. I sat down, and I wept, and then I went to YouTube, and I watched some more clips. I sat down, and I wept, and I went and watched the news. I sat down, and I wept, and I went ahead and did some more Google, some more Google searching. 
Oh, I'm not against all of that. What I'm telling you is I want you to notice that Nehemiah, it says, he went and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven, and he said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant steadfast love for those who love him and keep the commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant. I want you to notice that he gets bothered by the problem at the beginning of chapter one. He gets a burden from God by the end of chapter one, and then he goes and changes the world for God by the time he gets into chapter two. Listen, man, if you want to be like a Nehemiah, you got to do what Nehemiah did. And honestly, right now, there's a lot of us, we're on the wrong side of our prayer and fasting. We see a problem, and we're burdened, and our heart gets broken, and we get angry, and we lament, and we're frustrated, rightfully so. The church has neglected lament, and we've got to embrace it. The church has neglected the, the righteous indignation, and we've got to lift our voice, especially for those that have no voice. But my friends, if you have not taken your burden into the presence of God and let the spirit of Jesus with prayer and fasting move upon you, what happens is you become a potential Nehemiah that remains impotent all of your life. Because you had a burden that was coming from God, but like a child in a womb, you can't take the baby out after two months. She ain't ready yet. And you can't take a cake out after four minutes. It's not ready yet. And there are some of us that we get a burden, and the minute we get the burden, we want to go on social media and go on some kind of a thing. How many of us have even seen some of our friends that shot like a rocket and got back down three weeks later because they didn't bring their burden to God? What breaks your heart? Number one, what is it that breaks your heart? Because if you don't take it to God, what's going to happen is you're going to get hard. Because here's what happens. I watch videos online. Oh, I get, I get so angry. I watch the things. that I will hear the stories of abuse. I will see the stories of oppression. I hear the stories of, of domestic things, and, and it makes me, oh, I get, I get irritated, I get bothered, but watch, the danger of anger that is not brought to God is it makes you hard, and God never uses hard people. He only uses soft people. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite spirit, a broken heart the Lord will not despise, because the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness and kindness which is why Jesus can turn over tables in one minute and then he can be there and, and have this compassion the next. And what we need right now is a generation of Nehemiahs that look at problems and they realize, wait a minute, we're spinning our wheels, wheels here in our culture because we've got loads of people that are hard and loads of people that are lamenting in their hardness and angry and, and fighting from the left and fighting from the right. And, and, we, and, it's, and, it's, and I, do, I understand why someone's got a heart for immigration or, or someone hears about immigration, let's say. For example, that's something I care about quite a bit. And there's like, you could say, and people say, well, well, Mike, I can't really get into that. And they get hard. Like, well, the politicians are, are exploiting the children at the border for political purposes. To which my response is, that may or may not be true. That does not change what God says about immigration. Don't let politicians harden your heart to things that God says matter to him. I've heard people say the same thing about pro-life and the unborn. Like, ah, I don't want to hear all that pro-life, unborn stuff. Man, Mike, politi you know, people on the right, they just exploit the unborn. They don't even care about. How can you say you care about the unborn who you've never seen when you don't care about you know, immigrants who you have seen? And listen, listen, friends, I'm not telling you there, aren't, there absolutely are politicians that exploit the unborn for political purposes, but beware of allowing the schemes of earth and hell to move your heart away from or to harden you from things that actually matter to God. God said, I knew you in your womb. 
in your mother's womb. He already knew. Same thing happens with black lives. Someone will say, okay, we got black lives going on here. And dude, Mike, do they even matter? What's going on? So, well, this is being exploited. This is all political. Oh, oh, maybe it gets exploited. Maybe it does get political. But can I say to you right now, may I submit to you, God has something to say about the things that are taking place. Don't let your heart get hard just because things get political. See, the Nehemiahs of God are those who mount up with wings like eagles. And they say, wait, on the earth, everything's gotten political and hard. But we have to rise up in God and get above these things and say, Lord, show us your glory and show us what you've called us to do. Amen? I'm dreaming of Nehemiah's. I want a Nehemiah generation that's, that's going to be unmoved by the political left or the political right, by Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, or whatever channel you watch. We, I long to be more moved by heaven than earth. How about you? Yes, Number one, what breaks your heart? Number two, where are you positioned? If you're going to figure out where God's going to use you as a leader, what is it that breaks your heart? The, the second question, it's the end of chapter 11. When Nehemiah says, now, he finishes a prayer, and he says, now, I was cupbearer to the king. Now, the cupbearer was an interesting person. I was studying this. Cupbearers, they, number one, they had to be intelligent. Number two, they had to be good-looking. Number three, they had to know what was going on in the world. Number four, they had to be able to read people. Number five, they had to be willing to taste stuff. <laughs> you know, the, the king didn't want to get killed, so you had to kind of like taste test everything, right? Nehemiah was positioned near the king. Everybody did not have access to the king, and we're going to find out in this story if you've never read it. Next week, Nehemiah is going to go make a big, bold, audacious ask of his king when he's going to ask for permission to go build walls 700 miles away that have no benefit to this king whatsoever. And it's a, it's a ridiculous, absurd request that he is going to make, and yet he's going to make that request because he's going to realize, wait, God, you have positioned me near the king. It may look impossible, but in your sovereignty, you have positioned me. My question number one is, what is it that breaks your heart? My second question is, where are you positioned? Are you in Guyana? Are you at the University of Florida? Are you at Santa Fe? What school do you go to? What fraternity are you in? What sorority are you in? What family are you in? What kind of personality do you have? Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? What energizes you? What, what drains you? Like, what, where do you get curious about things? What kind of body shape do you have? How much energy do you have? How much do you like to chill? How much do you get hyper? How much are you kind of annoying to some people, but you really turn other people on? What, what kind of, how, how good looking are you? How athletic are you? These are a lot of things, and you might say, they don't seem like much of anything. What kind of an accent do you have? Are you from another country? You have an accent. You say, oh, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed of my accent. Do you understand that your accent may open doors that a gringo's normal, you know, whatever English accent may never open, but your accent's going to open doors that no one else could get open? Do you understand that the, that, what about how tall you are, how short you are, whatever it is that you are, all these things in God's sovereignty, God allowed Nehemiah to be next to the king, which is why when his heart was broken, he says, God, where have you put me? Because wherever I am, it's a clue as to what you're calling me to build. Where are you positioned? Sometimes people call the church and they'll say, hey, I'm looking for Pastor Mike. All right, it's me. Pastor Mike, man, my heart's burdened. Y'all need to do something about X, Y, Z. I'm like, really? Yeah, man, have you seen this problem going on in the city? You guys should do something about this. I'm like, oh, man, that sounds awesome. To which I say, what are you going to do? He's like, well, no, no. I said, what are y'all going to do? I'm like, no, you are y'all. He's like, well, 
I thought we pay you to do that. I said, no, you pay me to tell you to do that. Yeah. Ephesians 4 says I'm supposed to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's what I'm supposed to, well, no, but Mike, I got, I got this passion for, man, there's at-risk kids, and man, there's third graders that aren't reading. Man, Mike, who's going to do something about this? Oh, I'm glad you asked because we've got a whole bunch of things and initiatives that we do in town where we are trying to help sec first and second and third graders read so that they're not going to end up in prison one day. Would you like to join us? Well, I just wanted to just make sure something's happening. Oh, well, no. does that break your heart? Yes. Where has God positioned you? Well, I live in Gainesville. Where has God positioned you with that burden? In Gainesville, at a church where we go do things like that, and we need a lot more people to help. Doesn't take rocket science, in my opinion, to figure this one out. Methinks this might be the Lord. <laughs> Mike, I got this passion for, for, for sick. What, what is your, what is your, where are you positioned? Mike, I got a passion for sick people. Man, I'm, like, there are some of you unusually burdened for sick people. You're like, I don't get it. I'm only 19 years old. I'm only 29 years old. I'm not, I've never been sick in my life, but I'm, my heart breaks for sick people. R really? Maybe you're supposed to join one of our prayer teams. I mean, we pray for the sick a lot in our church. I mean, just so you know, in the last three weeks of our church, I bet I've heard the report of 25 or 30 people that have been divinely on the spot healed in our church in the last month. Okay? I mean, I'm making it one of my goals. I'm making it one of my goals. We need to see more people get healed than our country seeing get shot. Can I get an amen? All right? We, someone's going to have to go build something, right? It's, but... You got, a, you got a heart for that? Maybe you're supposed to show up and you're like, what could I do? Well, you, you come to church on a sunny night. You come to church on a sunny morning. Maybe you go into our prayer room 20 minutes before service starts, and you're one of the people, if you've ever seen me, sometimes I'll get up and I'll start reading things off of, a, off of my phone where I write down the things that we're praying for sick people. This will come out of prayer rooms like that where we're just praying. And we're like, hey, we feel like God is saying. And you know what? I wouldn't know what to do about this, but I've done this so many times now. I've had so many people that have been healed, and they've come back and say, Mike, it's now been a month. It's been two months. That night when you said that, I got healed. That came from someone with a burden and compassion for the sick. And they would go and they would just say, all week long, they would pray and say, God, you know, it, it does, it's not that only Sundays matter. But when we come together on Sundays, there's a shot for everyone to come together at the same time. Two or more gathered in his name. And we're just going to give God a chance. We're going to pray for sick people. Maybe you've, got a, maybe you've got a burden for that. You've been positioned in this church. Your pastor's inviting you. Why don't you join us on one of our prayer teams and you be one of the people that says, God, if there's there's a heads up you want to give us, give it to us, and we'll start hitting. I mean, I want the dead being raised. I want cancer patients being healed. I want blind eyes to be open. I want what we see in the Bible to come true. But there's got to be a, see, it starts with what, what is it that breaks your heart? What, where is it that God has positioned you? Maybe you're watching right now, and you're a grandma, and you're like, man, I'm, I can't even, there's, what, what am I going to do as a grandmother? Maybe you're a grandmother that's burdened by the fact that you raised a child to follow Jesus, and they kind of are, but your grandchildren are all so far away from God, you're like, oh, dear Lord, they're going to all be in hell one day. Maybe you're going to get together with two other grandmothers a week and say, you know what, come hell or high water, we're going to get together and say, devil, let my grandchild go, and when you wake up and you get together with all these other grandmas, the devil buys depends underwear because he's going to wet his pants because you're going to pray the devil off your grandchildren. Maybe you're a 
a roommate. Maybe, maybe you're, you're going to get a burden for souls that do not know Jesus. Guys, I've got to get clear, man. It's not that only heaven matters. We've got to do things on this earth. But if you know somebody that dies and does not know Jesus Christ, they have been hit with something worse than COVID. I get it, man. Everyone's very concerned about COVID right now. We're very, I mean, oh, you guys are all wearing masks right now. I get all that. So we're conscious of all that. But do, can someone please get a burden by the fact, yes, someone could die from COVID. Sin has a 100% death rate. Everyone we know has been infected. Does anyone have a burden for this anymore? Which means the people that you are positioned next to, is, are you going to get a burden to do something about the souls of people? What breaks your heart? Where are you positioned? I'll read you a text from, or an email I got this week from one of my friends. Her name is Audrey. Her husband, Garrett, and her, they've, they've been taking in children from immigrants from other countries that have been separated from their parents at the border. She says, what makes you cry? What nags at your heart? I realize sometimes people don't care because they just don't know what's happening. Sure, we read the news and we see the border crisis, but I'm not Hispanic. Those aren't my people. Or people decide to not care because they don't agree with the political aspects or methods, and that's fair enough. They, they, we don't really respond to that, that tugging. I can't change the countries from which these people flee, but I can love their refugee babies. I can learn what is really happening there while I sit behind the gate of my well-built house here. And it's easy for me to not care that their shacks are burning down, that violence is currently stealing kids from in the midst of gang wars, that children are getting smaller and smaller because of lack of nutrition that's available. I do not have all the answers to appease all the various sides of all the political persuasions, and I'm not going to aim to. I aim only to love. I will love the foreigner, the refugee, this Spanish-speaking child that's currently living under my roof. This morning they showed up and they have another Spanish-speaking child that's under their roof. She said, this I can do because this is where I am. What breaks your heart? Where has God positioned you? Where has he positioned you to, to make an influence? We have these little cards that we produced for this reason because there's a little QR code on this because maybe you're watching this and and you want to make a difference. If you scan the QR code, what you're going to find is there's really two things that I would love for us to help you do. Maybe you're supposed to start something. Maybe you're like, man, man I, I don't get it, Mike. I'm 21 years old. I can't shake it. I have a heart for deaf children. I want to do something about deaf children. We, we would love to help you. Mike, I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain this, but, but you know, Tiffany, one of our staff, she's I mean, just fresh out of college. She's like, I don't understand this. I have a passion for old people. Tiffany, she goes into the caretaking facilities here in town, and she's like the Pied Piper. She has started a house church in one of the nursing homes where people cannot get to church. She brings... The, I, haven't, I still haven't been over there yet. They watch me every week. She'll bring a video. I cut a short video that's shorter than these sermons. She takes it over there. Uh, she says, Pastor Mike, you're their pastor. I'm like, I gotta go visit these people. She goes in there. Maybe, you, maybe you're like her. My, I, she's like, I have no explanation. Here's this young lady in her, in her early 20s, and she has a passion for senior citizens that, could, that are gonna die soon, maybe. And there, a bunch of them have died during COVID right now, by the way. And she has this passion. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you can join something we're already doing. Do you have a heart for at-risk kids? We're in almost every neighborhood you can imagine in this city. Do you have a heart for little kids? We're reaching out to little kids. Do you have a heart for teenagers? We'd love to plug you into teenagers. Do you have a heart for college students? We would love to help you with that. Do you have a whatever? If you'd like to start something or you'd like to join something, I dare you to help us. I dare you to let us help you. Number one, where, where is your burden? What, what breaks your heart? Number two, 
Where are you positioned? And number three, and this is where the sermon ends, how big is your God? Nehemiah prays, and I love what he prays here in verse five. He says, and I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. Will you say that with me? The great and awesome God. Let me just embarrass myself. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Help me. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Is there anything our God cannot do? Is there anything too big for our God? Is there anything too difficult for our Jesus? Is there anything beyond the scope of his redemption? Is there any human he cannot help when we bring them to him? I love how it says, O Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ears be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for this people Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you. We haven't kept your commandments and statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. And then he says in verse 8, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. Boom. This is where it happens. This is Deuteronomy 30. This is a man that somehow knows the Bible because in Deuteronomy 30, God told Moses, if you guys obey me, it's going to go well. It's not going to go perfect, but it's going to go well. If you will follow me, it's going to go well. But if you follow after other gods, if you put something else before me, if I'm not king and lord of your life, it's going to go south. It's going to get bad. In fact, you will get exiled, which is exactly what happened. He says, but... When things get bad, when things go south, when things get nasty, when things get wretched, when things go horrible, if you will call to me, I will answer you wherever you are. And Nehemiah is reaching back into this ancient text of Deuteronomy chapter 30 with the stories that he learned as a kid in a family that wasn't super faithful. And he's like, God... I'm going to call on you, and I'm going to take you at your word because you are a big God. And listen, when you've got a big God, your problems are small. Amen. How big is your God? M- Mike, how do I become a leader? I'll tell you how you become a leader, and please hear me on this. Please hear me on this. this I, I'm very concerned right now, the, the leadership crisis in our culture, because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to point out the inevitable. This is the generation of Captain Obvious. This is the leadership generation of Captain Obvious. I turn on the news, and I hear the obvious. I look on social media, I hear the obvious. Anybody can demolish. Anyone can deconstruct. The question is, who's got the chops to construct something and say, you know what? I know things look bad. You know what? We've got a problem 700 miles away in a city I've never been to personally with a problem that I don't even know what to do about. And there's been a problem around for four generations. And I'm pretty much a nobody's servant in this place. I've got no leverage whatsoever. But my God is great. That is leadership. Let me give you a leadership principle. Whoever has the most hope leads. 
and I keep turning on social media, and I'm seeing a lot of grieving, and I'm seeing a lot of anger, and I'm seeing a lot of fighting, and I'm seeing a lot of lamenting, and I'm seeing a lot of arguing, and I'm seeing a lot of persuading. You know what I'm not seeing a lot of? Hope. And our world is waiting for some people that get up and say, listen, I'm not going to act like there's not a problem. Oh, there's a problem. I'm not going to minimize the problem. Oh, the problem is big. I'm not going to pretend like this problem hasn't been around for generations. We've got generational problems. We've got macro problems. But at the end of the day, when I get up, when you've gone into the presence of God, when you walk into the presence of the king of kings, you cease being impressed with the kings on earth. And I'm looking for some leaders And I'm praying for some leaders that would know how big their God is. Preacher that I liked that recently passed away when he was younger, he he had a study at his house and one day his little girls came up and they're like, hey daddy, play with us. He's like, I don't have time right now, I'm preparing a sermon for Sunday. Daddy, play with us. Oh, you girls, go away. He said, okay, Daddy, will you, can you do something for us? He said, yeah, yeah, whatever you want. He said, make us a dollhouse. He said, okay, sure, later on, later on. They said, today. He's like, okay, just later, just, just go away. So they went away. He kept doing his work. By the middle of the afternoon, though, much to his surprise, he looked out of his window, and in the backyard, there was a pile of stuff in the backyard. He went to his wife. He said, hey, baby, what, what are the girls doing? She replied, they said that you said you would build them a dollhouse. He said, what? She said, they said you said you would build them a dollhouse and they believe anything you say. And his heart melted. He put his work down and he went out, goes to Home Depot and he comes back and he (laughs) builds them what he forgot he said because that daddy was attracted to belief. Our God is not impressed with money. Our God is not impressed with political power. But our God is attracted to faith. And I dare us to believe. Mike, the problems in in, in my life are huge. Maybe some of you have problems that seem insurmountable. I am not minimizing them at all. I'm trying to tell you, name the biggest problem you can imagine, and your God is bigger. There is nothing impossible for our God. They said, increase our faith. Jesus said, oh, if you've... If you've got microscopic faith that you couldn't even see across the room, you could say to a mulberry bush, be uprooted and thrown into a sea, and it would happen. If you bring me into the equation, Nehemiah brings God. See, he said, God, I know I don't deserve it. I know I've been sinful. I know my people have sinned. I know we're not worthy, but you gave a promise, God. You said if we called on you, no matter how bad it got, that you would come through. Nehemiah's gonna go change history based on one little promise from God in Deuteronomy chapter 30. How much greater of a promise do you have that believe in Jesus Christ? Uh, what do you mean? I went to seminary and graduate school in Pasadena, California. There's an infamous bridge called Suicide Bridge there. A woman named Anna lived a tragic life, barely out of her teens. Life of homelessness, drug abuse, uh, domestic abuse. One day, she's like, you know what? Peace out. I cannot live another day. My story can't go on another day. And she said, that's it. She goes out to Suicide Bridge. And she decides to go ahead and say one last prayer. And she says, all right, God, if you have anything to say about this pathetic life, if you have anything to say about what I'm about to do, speak now or forever hold your peace. 
just as she prays that little prayer, just as she called out to God, her phone, a phone that had not rung in weeks because no one ever called her, started to ring and she picks it up. Someone was looking for her. It was the hope that she needed. Someone was looking for her. And she lived. And her life ended up getting redeemed by the grace of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ went on the cross, let me connect all the dots. What broke his heart? You. Your depression. Our despair. All of the suppression. All of, all of the brokenness. All of our sin. What broke his heart? You. Me. Us. What was his position? Well, he was the king of glory. He was in heaven. He could do anything, and yet he left his position. He left earth to come, left heaven to come to earth. He comes and he lives a perfect life, and then he dies the brutal death. And he goes up on a cross where he pays for our sins. Why? Because he gave the promise, whoever calls on me, I will answer them. When you call upon me, I will answer you. Nehemiah, on what basis do you have to even call on God when you and your people have been so unfaithful? Oh, on the basis of a promise. You and me now have a promise from God that we can call on him. On what basis do I call on Jesus? On the basis of his blood. He shed his blood and said, if you call on me, I'll answer you. And he longs for little girls and little boys. He longs for big girls and big boys that believe him like children that say, Oh, my daddy said he'd build us. And our daddy said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Our daddy said, I will pay for your sins. Our daddy said, I'm going to die. But then how big is our God? On the third day, he got up. Hey, Nehemiah, go do your thing. Please fill out that, Q go into that QR code and, and check out that Nehemiah challenge. But if you're here tonight or if you're online and you've not yet called upon the Lord, do it today in Jesus' name.